Well, good morning, everyone. I'll try that again. Good morning, everyone. All right. I like it. The 11 o'clock crowd. They're always warmed up and ready to go, right? You warmed up and ready to go? Okay. I'm going to try that again. You're warmed up and you're ready to go, right? All right. Good. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, I am thrilled. I'm thrilled to be opening God's Word uh, this morning, and I've been praying a lot this week for where God was going to lead us and direct us. And it's interesting, you know, over the last 15, 16 years now, uh, I've been in ministry, and I've been in uh, some sort of pastoral role in a church. And uh, over those years, uh, undoubtedly, one of the, the similar questions that always happens when I sit down with people or God allows me to you know, connect with another person is usually uh, a lot of times the question will be, how do I know that God is speaking? Like, how do I know it's God's voice? How do I know that God is directing me to do this thing? Like, how do I hear his voice? How do I know it's him? How do I, you know, know what it is that he's trying to tell me to do. I don't know how many of you have ever been in that situation where you're like, I, I sense that God maybe wants me to do something. I just don't know. I, I am not sure how do you hear God's voice. And my hunch is that if I were to say to each of us today that by the end of our time together, we are all going to hear from God. He's going to answer a specific prayer that you've been praying, or he's going to reveal the answer to maybe a, a worry or something that you've wondered about for a very long time. He is going to speak. I think every one of us would be very interested, right? I think every one of us, our ears would open up. My hunch is that's probably one of the driving motivators that caused you to come today that caused you to choose to spend a few moments in God's house and, and worshiping him, is that you, you long to hear from him. You long to hear his voice. My hunch is if, if I were to say to you, you know, God is actually, he's over in the cafe right now. He's sitting on that brown couch right underneath the windows, and right after the service, he's taking appointments, and he's willing to meet with anyone, and he's going to just dole out answers to prayer. My hunch is this room would clear out so fast, and y'all would go form a line because we want to hear from God, don't we? We so want to hear from him. We want to know what he wants us to do. We want his counsel. We want his direction. We want to know his will for our lives. In fact, the scriptures are packed with God's people calling out to him, begging him to answer prayers. And prayer, certainly, it has a component of us communicating to God, us pleading to God, us asking God to do something, to speak. In fact, it's one of the bedrocks of this church. This church believes that God can do the impossible. It's one of the things that formed Soul City. You look at these pillars all around the room. This isn't just like interesting graffiti. These are people's prayers, begging God to move. We've said as a church from the very beginning, we don't believe in wimpy prayers. We believe that God answers prayer. But I wonder when it comes to prayer and when it comes to living in the flow, I wonder how many of us have turned prayer into a one-way conversation where we are asking God to speak, but I wonder how many of us are also spending the amount of time necessary where we're willing and waiting on him to speak. I wonder if we've turned prayer more into us talking without really listening 
to God. Where we do all of the speaking and God doesn't have a moment to say a word. You've probably been in a conversation with another person. Maybe you have a friend like this. I know I have a few people uh, in my world where maybe you're sitting with them and you're having a conversation and you're chatting and you start to sense like, I don't think they're really listening to me. Have you ever been around somebody like that? You know, and they, they give the head nod and they give the mm-hmm, 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 but you know they're totally somewhere else. They're not listening to a word that you're saying. Well, a number of years ago in our marriage, actually, Jarrett and I started something in our marriage, and this is going to sound a little quirky, and, and you're going to see actually how weird we are this morning by the story I'm about to tell you. Um, but one of us started to sense that the other one wasn't listening as much. Now, you all are smart people. I'm going to let you figure out which was which in that scenario, okay? And so we started sensing, um, you know, I'm not sure that true listening is happening. And so we devised this little word that we came up with, and we said that anytime that we sensed the other wasn't really listening, we were going to just sort of drop this word into the conversation, and it was going to be like, you know, the, the, the sign that the person wasn't really listening. And so, like, you know, if, if I, for example, was speaking and Jarrett was listening, um, I would be telling him something or communicating something like, you know, you know we've got to do this or the kids need this, or, you know, we need to go here. And if I sense, like, you know, he was giving me the head nod, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but wasn't really listening, the word that we devised that we were going to throw into the conversation was the word chicken. And so I would say, you know, we got to take the kids to, to this, and they've got this birthday party, and we got to make sure we pick up this. And did you hear about the chicken? And if he didn't respond, like if he just kept nodding his head going, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, I knew He didn't hear about the chicken. He wasn't listening to me. That was what was going on. And so this word chicken has become this thing for us, you know, and and occasionally he has to also use the word chicken as well. But um, listening is essential to a relationship working, right? You think about your relationships. In order for a relationship to be healthy, communication needs to be healthy. And the only way communication can be healthy is if there is a combination of both speaking and listening. And prayer at its foundation is relational. Our relationship with God, prayer is how we communicate. Prayer is how we speak to one another. It's the communication of our heavenly parent speaking with his children. See, prayer is not about God just doing something for us, although God answers prayer, right? Prayer is not just about God doing something for us. Prayer is God speaking with us, which is pretty amazing. That the creator of the universe, the creator of you and I, wants to have a conversation with us. And there's a story that we're going to look at this morning. It's found in the Old Testament. And it's actually a picture of God having a conversation with one of his children. In fact, if you wouldn't mind, grab your Bible in front of you. And you can turn to 1 Samuel 3. It's found on page 187. And we're going to study and read the first 10 verses of this chapter together. But before we dive into it, I want to give you a little bit of context and a little bit of understanding of the story that we're going to look at today. Okay, so this is a, and it's an exchange and a conversation between two people in the Old Testament, Samuel and Eli. But a little bit of backstory to Samuel and Eli, okay? Samuel was actually the son of a man named Elkanah. Now, Elkanah had two wives, Penina and Hannah. 
Penina had children. Hannah did not. Okay? The text says that Elkanah deeply loved Hannah. Now, I'm going to stop right there. It does not take a Bible scholar to surmise that this relationship between Elkanah, Penina, and Hannah had some tension. Okay? First, for obvious reasons, there's two wives. Okay? We'll just start with that. I once heard somebody say that the punishment in the Old Testament for having two wives was having two wives, okay? So you've got some tension here, okay? Elkanah has both Penina and Hannah as his wives. The second tension is one of the wives was deeply loved by her husband, but the other was not. So you can already see there's some jealousy at work also in this relationship. Third, Penina, one of the wives, was able to have children, and Hannah was not. So you already hear in the backstory of what we're about to look at that there is some natural tension that's already set it, that's already set up with Hannah and Elkanah and Eli, okay? Who we're going to introduce you to in a moment. So it's in the first chapter of 1 Samuel. It says that Hannah pleaded before the Lord to give her a child. Remember, she was the wife that couldn't have a child. And if you remember from the past couple of weeks in Jared's teaching. Uh, as we've been looking at prayer, he's been teaching us about how there was once an old way, right? And in this old way of prayer, it actually was that somebody would have an appointed time and an appointed place, and there was an appointed person that people would go to make their request to the Lord. So Hannah lived in this time of an old way of prayer. So Hannah did just that. She actually went to Eli, who was the chief priest at the time, And the scriptures say that literally Hannah prayed with great anguish and grief. That she she was so moved that she had so much anguish and grief that she went before Eli and she prayed with great anguish and grief. And Eli was so moved by her prayer that he sent her home saying, may God grant you what you have asked for. So Hannah eventually becomes pregnant and her and Elkanah give birth to a son and they named him Samuel, who we're about to meet in this story. Samuel, his name actually means God has heard. So you see the backstory of Samuel's life. He was literally an answer to Hannah's prayer, and his name means God has heard my prayer. So Hannah and Elkanah were so grateful for Samuel that they literally, they dedicated him to the service of the Lord, and at a certain time, Samuel actually went to live with Eli in the house of God. So that's where we pick up at Samuel 3, 1 Samuel 3. So let's dive in here. Verse 1, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. So I'm going to pause for just a moment here. Essentially, what the text is telling us is that there had been a certain season of time, there had been a certain almost like dry spell where the people of God had not heard his voice. He had not spoken, not through a prophet, not through a sign, and and, and they had not heard God's voice. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you've been in a season and you've just thought, oh God, I'm crying out to you. I I so long for you to speak, but God seems silent. I know I've, I've had those seasons where you just you so long to hear God's voice, but he just, just seems quiet. Well, the, the writer here is saying that they're coming out of a season like this. 
where God's voice had been silent. It goes on in verse 2, and it says, One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Verse 3, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. So essentially, Samuel was sleeping in God's house. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back. Go lie down. So he went and he lay back down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up. He went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me, Eli. You know, what what do you want to say to me? My son, Eli said, I did not call you. This is not me who's talking. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel, in verse 7 it says, did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So we're going to pause here for a second again. You can see what's happening here, okay? It's actually God who's speaking to Samuel. But Samuel doesn't recognize the voice as God's voice. He thinks it's just Eli over in the other room calling out to him. Samuel had not yet learned how to discern God's voice. In other words, hearing God's voice is a learned behavior. And Samuel had not yet learned how to recognize God's voice. So it happens yet a third time. You go to verse 8. It says, the third time the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up. He went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Well, Eli realized. He realized eventually, okay, I think I know what's going on here. Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. In verse 9 it says, So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, Samuel. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. So let me pause and interrupt this passage yet again. Samuel receives a really powerful moment in this exchange between him and Eli, right? There's a theologian by the name of Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard, he writes about uh, this exchange between Eli and Samuel. And it refers to this moment when Eli says to Samuel, go and lie down, and if you hear the voice again, here's what you should say. And Dallas Willard, this theologian, he says, he refers to it as the ministry of Eli. Maybe you've experienced that in your life. You've experienced the ministry of Eli where you're not sure what to do or you're not sure how God's directing or you're not sure where he's leading and you go to a wise person or you go to a spiritual mentor or you go to somebody that you know listens to God or, or you know, understands his scriptures and you say, this is what I'm sensing, this is what I'm hearing, I'm not sure, could you help me? That's the ministry of Eli, the gift of wise counsel. And that's what's happening here between Samuel and Eli. So verse 10 comes and it says, The Lord came and stood there yet again, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. So we're going to stop right there in the story for a moment. Samuel clearly hears a voice, doesn't he? he, He hears it multiple times. He hears a voice, but he doesn't know who is it. And he struggled with knowing that that voice was from God. 
It took him three times. And then it took the counsel and the direction of a spiritual mentor to help him listen. And there's a subtle but powerful truth that we can examine in this story, in this exchange between Eli and Samuel. You see, Samuel hears a voice, but he didn't know how to listen, so he was unable to recognize it as God's voice. He could hear, but he didn't know how to listen. And hearing doesn't always mean that we're listening, does it? Hearing is simply the act of of perceiving sound through our ears, right? We hear things all day long. There's all sorts of noise and, and chaos going on around us. We hear things all the time. And unless you're hearing impaired, hearing simply happens for most of us in this room. We hear, but listening is something very different, isn't it? Listening is something that we consciously choose to do. Listening requires concentration so that our brain and our heart can process the meaning from the words and the sentences. And this is what Samuel instructs Eli to do. Not to say, God, yeah, I hear you. What are you trying to say? He says, speak, Lord, for your servant is what? Listening. Eli's instructions to Samuel was not to say, I hear you, God. His instruction was to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. In other words, I'm going to listen to your words, God, and I am going to do what you tell me to do. And so God went on throughout the life of Samuel, and I would encourage you to read the book of 1 Samuel. It's a beautiful story of how Samuel was a prophet and was regularly used by God to speak to his people. You jump down a little bit later in that passage in in chapter 3, verse 19, it says that the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And listen to this. He let none of his words fall to the ground. Samuel never let God's words fall to the ground. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, Samuel was so determined. His basic response to God throughout his life was, Lord, speak, I am listening. He didn't just hear God. He listened to God and he followed what God told him to do. What a beautiful phrase. The determination to not let any of God's words fall to the ground in our life. You see, Samuel, he learned how to discern God's voice because he was with God. He was with God. That's how he learned to discern God's voice, because he was in God's presence. One of my favorite writers is a writer by the name of Richard Rohr, and he says this, we cannot attain the presence of God because we're already totally in the presence of God. What's absent is our awareness. Isn't that powerful? So often we're like, oh, I just, I just want to be in God's presence. I just want to figure out how to be with God. I just want to figure out how to be near him and to listen to him and to know what he wants us to do. The thing is, is we are in his presence at all times. At this very moment, we are in the presence of the living, loving God. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. What's absent so often is our awareness that we're in his presence our awareness that we're with him. Richard Rohr goes on to say, prayer is not primarily saying words or thinking thoughts. It is rather a stance. 
It's a posture, isn't it? It's a way of living in the presence, living in the awareness of the presence, and even of enjoying the presence. And this is what Samuel learned, that he was in the presence of God, and therefore he lived a life in the flow of listening to God's voice. And that is God's deepest desire for every single one of us, that we would live in the flow of hearing his voice. Because we hear his voice when we're in his presence. And it's not about the discipline of, I've got to find a time and I've got to go to a place and I've got to be in his word and I've got to do these things, which are all good things. And discipline has its place. But it's about delight, isn't it? It's delighting ourselves in the Lord in this relationship that we have with him. It's not just about discipline. It's about delight because when we love something, we do it, don't we? When we love something, we're like, how can I do that more? How can I be there more? How can I go there more? It's not about rule or regiment. It's about delight and sitting and listening and being still and silent is an incredible furnace for the work of transformation in our lives. Because it's in that stance, it's in that presence that we learn to know God's voice. Jesus says it this way. He says, my sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That we listen to his voice and and he knows us and we follow him. You see, none of us will accidentally just sort of stumble into starting to hear God's voice, but we can learn how to listen to God's voice simply by being in his presence. And oftentimes that comes from the work of silence and solitude and reflection and being still and not talking so much and choosing the posture of listening. I'll never forget when Jarrett and I started to sense that God was speaking to us about this church, actually. And some of you may have heard us talk about this story before, but we both began to listen. We both began to hear God's voice clearly calling us to step out to step out into a courageous uh, faith adventure. And there was absolutely nothing wrong in our lives. We weren't trying to escape something. We weren't trying to leave something behind. We weren't trying to avoid this season over here so we could get to a different season. We, we loved our life. We loved our home, our friends, our church, our jobs. In fact, we were in a season of life where it was actually maybe quite foolish for us to step out in a you know, great faith adventure. We had a a two-year-old and a four-month-old. And those usually aren't the best times to like, just like, you know, okay, God, where do you want me to go? Africa? Sure, you know. But we so clearly heard God's voice. And much like Samuel in this story, we wanted to confirm. We wanted to confirm that one, we weren't crazy, and two, we didn't have like a bad dinner like the night before, and we're dealing with serious indigestion. And so we had a moment, much like Samuel. It wasn't that we heard an audible voice. It wasn't as if God came into the bedroom and said, here's what I want you to do, so go and do it. The 
Holy Spirit prompted. Both of us sensed it. We knew that those thoughts were not from ourselves, but that they were God whispering. And so much like Samuel went to Eli, we went to an Eli in our life. And we received the ministry of Eli. And so we went to this trusted friend, and we said, we think we might be a little bit crazy. We think we're supposed to, you know, go on this adventure of faith that God is calling us to. We think we're supposed to start this church. Could you either spend the next three days and help us confirm that this is exactly what God is saying, or can you tell us that we're just straight up crazy? And so we literally spent three days in this trusted friend's basement. And we opened God's word. We prayed. We literally mapped our entire life story across his basement wall on a whiteboard. We looked at the pivotal circumstances that had happened. We looked at moments where where God was at work and he was moving. We looked at scriptures that were so clear that God had given to both of us. And by the end of those three days, it wasn't this moment where we thought, you know, planting a church in downtown Chicago, that sounds like a good option. Maybe we should do that one day. We left those three days knowing that it was an act of obedience. It wasn't an option. That God was so clearly speaking to us that this would now become an act of obedience, whether we would do this or not. And I'll never forget, you know, saying goodbye to this sort of Eli in our lives and uh, saying, okay, well, I guess we're going to start a church. And we got in the car and we both sort of looked at each other and we were like, well, what do we do now? Like, what do we do now? And we started driving from Michigan to Chicago back here. My kids were staying with my mom. And so we drove from Holland, Michigan, where he lived, back to Chicago. And and I remember us talking, and, and somewhere in the conversation, we both decided, I think what we need to do is for the next 30 days, we need to just not talk about this. In fact, I think we need to just, like, take a vow of silence. Not that, like, we weren't going to talk to people if they spoke to us. But let's not talk about this. Let's just sit. Let's just be still. Let's ask God to clearly confirm what he's called us to do. And so we did. We decided to take 30 days and just delight in God and delight in what he had called us to do. And we literally said, God, we want you to do a couple of things over these 30 days. We would love for you to confirm this calling although we know that this is an act of obedience, but sometimes when God calls you to do something, you look for every possible way out, don't you? And so we asked you, God, would you you affirm this? Would you make it clear this is an act of obedience? Would you speak to us through your Holy Spirit? Would you allow your spirit to confirm that this is in fact what you're asking us to do? And God, would you allow circumstances to happen over these next 30 days that challenge us And they help affirm our willingness to obey you. And it's amazing to me, in the quiet of those 30 days, God made every single one of those things extraordinarily clear. He continued to affirm his calling in our life in moments of prayer. He confirmed through passages of scripture. He confirmed through moments where the Holy Spirit would clearly disrupt our fear or our worry with truth. He allowed circumstances to happen that were so clearly orchestrated by God to allow us to know that God was in control and that he was going to orchestrate this plan with or without us. 
but that he was calling us into this grand adventure. And I'm so, so grateful for those 30 days of quiet, of just listening to God. And it was in those 30 days that I started a discipline where I started to just write down all of the things that came into my mind. And these are the journals that I started after that trip to Michigan. And these journals are filled with fear. They're filled with scripture. They're filled with crazy ideas. They're filled with prayers for all of you. They're filled for prayers for this city. And these are the moments in this in these books, where God literally began to confirm and affirm that it was his voice. And I can't tell you how many times over the last year and a half that I have gone back to this and gone, oh, Lord, really, maybe it was indigestion. This is really hard. Like, maybe we were a little crazy. And I'll go back, and there'll be such a clear moment where God was so clearly speaking and it's without a doubt such a confirmation and such a reminder to me. God was clear. He was speaking. And he asked me to obey. And there's not necessarily a formula for learning to listen to God's voice. You remember Samuel's story with Eli? He began to be in the presence of God and he said what? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He opened his hands and he said, I am listening, God. But one of the things that I have found over the years of being able to affirm and discern God's voice is three very important things. Anytime I sense that God is asking me to do something, anytime I sense that God is speaking, anytime that I sense that God is moving and he's asking me to respond, I run it through the grid of these three things. The first is his word. I look for passages from God's word to affirm what it is that he is saying to me. I had a friend a couple of weeks ago, we were having a conversation and we were chatting and she goes, Jeannie, it's just, I just wish God every morning would like send me a text message before I wake up and it'd be like, good morning, how are you today? Hope you're doing well. Hope you pick out a great outfit to wear. Here are the things that I would like you to do today. And he'd back each one of them up with a scripture passage and she's like, it would be so awesome. I mean, he could do that. He could send a text message to every single one of us every morning. And we're having this conversation, and I was like, but he has. It's right here. He has. This book is life, friends. This is living and active. It's not just some, like, nice sayings and some advice. It's not just some quotes from some good writers. This is God's text message to you and I. It has freedom. It has power. It has hope. And I'm sure this is probably not, you know, a big shocker. When you come to church, you expect the preacher or the pastor to say, read your Bibles. But I am telling you today, you should read your Bibles. This is God's word. And I say that to you with absolutely no shame and no guilt. The reason I say that to you is this is life. It is truth. It will direct you. It will bring healing when you are in pain. It will bring counsel. It will bring comfort. In fact, one of the things that I love about what we do around here is 
We have a, a group that meets, uh, you know, every few months, and it's called Starting Point. And it's all about learning how to read God's Word. It's all about asking questions and figuring out who God is and how does he speak. And maybe for you, you're new to these things. And, and I'll be honest, there's parts of this book that are very, very confusing to me. It's a confusing book. And maybe for you, starting point might be a great place for you to start. You can sign up over at the next steps wall afterwards, but this is a gift. It's why we say every single week. It's why we put Bibles on every single seat because we know that God speaks through his word. And so when you are trying to discern God's voice, you always need to run it through the grid of passages from his word. The second thing is through pivotal circumstances. There are without a doubt circumstances that happen in our life that get our attention, aren't there? How many of you have had a circumstance that's happened and you're like, okay, God, you got my attention? Yeah. If you're not raising your hand, you're probably just lying right now. And you're in church, so that's dangerous. <laughs> there are circumstances that happen in our lives and in our worlds. And, and it just, it piques our minds, doesn't it? It piques our hearts and we go, okay, God, I'm listening. I think this circumstance that just happened or this thing that just happened, I think you are trying to get my attention. I think you're speaking. Or there are also circumstances, and some of you probably have experienced these things as well, where God was not the cause of the circumstance. He didn't make that thing happen. But a circumstance happened, an experience occurred in your life, and it was filled with pain or loss or rejection. And God didn't cause that thing to happen, but you really had your attention centered on God after that happened. I know that there are some places in my own story where that is very true, where I know God didn't cause the pain in my life, but when the pain entered my life, my heart and my mind and my hands were very open and very desperate to hear God's voice. And there is something about pivotal circumstances that God speaks through them. The third is promptings from the Holy Spirit. And as we've been talking, you know, there, there was this old way in prayer, right? And, and that's essentially what Samuel and Eli experienced. That's what Hannah experienced so that Samuel was born. It was this old way where you had to go to a person at a certain time and do a certain thing so that you could hear from God. Well, now we have the new way, right? We have the beauty and the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's so amazing is that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, literally, when he ascended to heaven, he said, I'm leaving a gift for you. I'm giving a gift to you. And it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Colossians 1, it says that the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, this glorious mystery is that Christ is now in you. Christ is in you, the hope of glory, that the Holy Spirit literally lives inside of us. And what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit prompts us. And what I mean by a prompt is we, we have a moment where we think something, where we feel something, we go, I, I think, I don't think I thought that on my own. I, th I think the Holy Spirit just told me to do that. Or I thought about this person and I thought, I think I need to pray for them. Or I saw this person and I thought, I, I think they need something. I think I need to do something. 
Or maybe a moment has come over you where, where, you, where you saw a need and, and you felt the Holy Spirit prompt you to be generous with something that God has given to you and you thought, I think I'm supposed to give this to them. That's how the Holy Spirit prompts us. I had a moment this last week where I got an email from a friend, a guy here in our church. And I think what happened was he was thinking one morning, maybe he was praying, and he had this prompting. And a mutual friend of ours had been struggling and had been hurting. And he had this prompt, and he thought, I think I'm going to send out an email to a bunch of us that just all know him. I'm just going to encourage us, you know, if you think about it and if it comes to your mind, maybe you could encourage him. Maybe you could get together with him. Maybe you could pray for him. And I am convinced my friend Daniel wasn't just thinking, you know, this is a nice thing to do. I should send a nice email, and I should make sure that all these people encourage this guy. I think the Holy Spirit prompted him to do that. Because what happened later on in my day, and as I talked to a bunch of other people that also received this quick little email on Facebook, I was out running. And I don't know if you know this, I'm training for the marathon. And um, I swear to you, I will not speak about it like my husband did all last year, okay? And make this promise to you. But I was out running, and that is not a comment that usually comes from my mouth, okay? I'm not a runner, okay? Although all the trainers tell me I'm supposed to tell myself I'm a runner. So I was out running, okay? And I was doing my run, and I was thinking, gosh, you know, they told me to do four miles. I think I'd like to do three today. And I just, you know, I was giving myself a bit of an out. And so I changed my route a little bit. And I came back down Adams, and I, I've been doing this now where I run past Adams so I can pray for our church, so I can pray for all of you, and I can pray for myself that I make it home. And... Um, and I was praying, and I turned on Racine, and I came down to Madison, which we live right over on Madison now. And I turned left onto Madison, and the guy that our friend Daniel had asked us to pray for was standing there on the corner of Madison. He was just standing at the bus stop. He was just getting ready to go home. I was like, gosh, God, you are so cool. I'm so glad I shortened my run. And we had this moment just at the bus stop on Madison where we chatted, he hugged, even hugged me in all of my sweat, and we prayed, talked, and we connected. And we had one of these moments. It was a pivotal circumstance. And you know that pivotal circumstance happened because Daniel followed a prompting from the Holy Spirit. You see how God works and how his voice is always moving? And over the next few moments, um, what I want us to do is I want us to have an opportunity to listen to God's voice, to really hear from him, to hear from his word. And the band's going to come up, and we're going to do something a little bit different in our worship time over the next few moments. We're going to spend some time singing and just reflecting on the words and worshiping God with them. And then I'm going to come up and I'm going to read some scripture. And what I'm going to do before I read each of these verses is I'm going to ask us as a body, if you are feeling or experiencing the emotion that I share 
or the, the thing that I speak of. What I'm going to ask you to do, just as a way of, of not really communicating with me, but as a way of communicating with God, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up real quickly in a way of saying, God, yes, that is me. Let your scripture speak to me right now. Let your voice speak to me. Let your word speak to me. So whatever you need to do, maybe you need to just like, you know, close your eyes. Maybe you need to put things down or, you know, put your Bible away or just be still. Scriptures say be still and know that I am God. And I believe that God wants to speak to us here today. Here's the thing about God's voice. He speaks to us because he loves us. At the very core of prayer, it's rooted in a relationship. This last week, I I had something happen where I had been praying a prayer really, really earnestly. I felt like God had led me to pray this prayer. I mean, the kind of prayer like, cry your guts out on your knees, God, please, would you please move? And God didn't answer the prayer the way that I wanted him to. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, where you're just like, but God, this is a good prayer. This is a good thing. This prayer is going to help a lot of people. This is, God, this isn't a selfish prayer. This is a selfless prayer. Why aren't you answering it the way that I want you to answer it? And God just really quietly, he, before I started praying this prayer, he led me to a passage and he took me right back to that passage again. It's found in John 6, and it says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And in that moment, God said, Jeannie, I already have in mind what I'm going to do. I already have in mind what I'm going to do. In fact, what I heard the Spirit really say to me, I got this. I got this. Don't worry. I fed 5,000, remember? And there was just a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. I got this. And so my prayer for us over these next few moments is that you would hear through God's word, maybe even through some pivotal circumstances that are going on in your life right now, but ultimately through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that you would hear God's voice. And so, Father, we are asking, Jesus, we are asking, Holy Spirit, we are asking, as your servants, our hands are open to you, and we are saying, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. 